So I'm going to make a case where I believe Alperin Shangoon and Fred Van Fleet are a match made in basketball heaven. Tap in. Enjoy. Sound 42. Turn it up. It's the Chop Not Slap Show. So G. Rossi and DJ Candlestick. Chop Stars OVO Gang. DJ Candlestick. Make sure you stop by the Rockets Chop Shop merch store and pick up some gear. Let people know that you're a part of the most informed community of basketball watchers in the city of Houston. Rep the city, rep the channel, rep the Rockets, and keep supporting us, and we're going to keep dropping that heat. This podcast is brought to you by Mint Mobile. Mint Mobile is partnering with the Rockets Chop Shop to bring you savings. So right now, right now, for Chop Shop listeners, they are going to give you 50% off their unlimited plan. That's 50% off. So that plan is usually $30. That's unlimited talking text, data, all of that. You get that for only $15 a month. All you have to do is go to the link. What are you doing paying hundreds of dollars to all these other companies? Switch over. Make your life easier. Save some money, man. Save some money so you can take your family out. You can go to the game. Maybe if you save up enough, you might hit the court side. Put put your feet on, on the court side at the Rockets game. But keep rocking to the chop shop. Go to the link mintmobile.com slash chop shop right now 50% off for chop shop listeners $15 a month for unlimited keep rocking with us and keep supporting the channel what is up chop shop gang it's your boy frank f tank 58 so I wanted to talk about Fred Van Vliet and Alperin Shangoon, and I feel like um, this is a dynamic between the two of those players. Um, I want to explain to you guys uh, that I think it's being slept on. You know what I mean? I've seen a lot with the Jalen Green and Fred Van Vliet kind of pairing. You know, obviously Jackson just interviewed Fred's trainer, and he was able to speak to a lot of um, the different um, levels that Fred is going to drive Jalen to get to and some of the things that he's already imparting on him. And I think that's going to do wonders for Jalen's career, like just overall his demeanor, his approach as a basketball player. But um, when we get on the court, I think it's it's not going to be even close. The biggest like relationship as far as synergy, as far as chemistry is going to be between your point guard and your center. And you're bringing up Fred Van Vliet obviously a high-level point guard with Alperin Shangun, um, a high-level center, and I think one of the best young centers, uh, top three young centers in the NBA right now. And if I'm looking at young centers in the league, my top three is in no particular order is Shangun, Mobley, and Jalen Duren. Um, I think those are the guys that are, you know, within 21 or below that are, are up next and are, are going to be doing it in different ways. Um, but Obviously, we know Alperin is a, is a you know gifted player offensively and is still growing defensively. And uh, for Fred, being an undersized guard, I think the, the pairing between the two is going to be something that's going to help him as much as I think uh, Alperin is going to be help, assisted by Fred being on the court. And what I mean by this is that 
the pairing big and a big and a guard is as old as the NBA. That's as old as time. Uh, most of the smaller guards in the NBA, most of the point guards in the NBA have a two man pairing. You think of some of the dynamic two man combinations right now in the NBA. You're thinking of Draymond and Steph. You know, even though uh, Draymond is not a typical five, uh, he's still a guy that uh, it runs that small ball five for them. But think about the passing and the things they're doing over there. You're thinking of Sabonis and, and Fox over in Sacramento. You're thinking of Jokic and um, and Jamal Murray. Um, the list goes on. You even in this past season, Harden and 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 Embiid. Um, the list just goes on and on. And I think what people fail to see is not that that big man necessarily has to be somebody that's great. You know, there are a lot of decent big men that are doing their jobs. How um, Rudy Gobert helped out uh, Donovan Mitchell in this time when they were in Utah together. Um, you think of uh, Onyeka uh, Okongwu down in, um, in in Atlanta with Trey Young and, and Clint Capella and Trey Young. And so, so that two-man combo of a guard, especially these smaller guards and these bigs is very very important to a team's success and i think that one of the factors that uh, people fail to fail to account for with fred van fleet's time in toronto is how he was robbed of that he was robbed of that before one Jakob pertle was traded to the raptors um so i'm going to go through some just to show you guys proof that it uh, you know Jakob pertle being there for fred um actually was uh a big reason to me um, why I see that this relationship is 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 solid between a big man and a guard, especially what Alperen Sengun and Fred are going to do together. So just to get into it, you know, a little bit, set the table for that. My belief on the Raptors team and how they were set up, um, I, I really hated like their, their roster construction. I really hated it. Um, I think that uh, philosophically, I understood what they were trying to do with their approach to playing, um, you know, the multi- uh, dimensional players at every position that could, you know, switch one through five. You put a bunch of athletes um, out there to be able to, you know, push the ball up the court, to be able to attack in isolation, attack closeouts, get to the rim, at, at the same time switch out on defense uh, and give you versatile looks. And I get it philosophically. I just don't think that Nick Nurse had the requisite parts to be able to run a system like that. And it showed this, this past season more than ever. Um, you look at a guy like Fred Van Vliet, on that team um he really philosophically fred doesn't fit that that build he is he's an undersized guard you know fred is probably six one six two at the tallest um and you're putting him around a bunch of basically six eight six nine six ten um lanky fords and for an undersized guard what type of tables is that set for you it means that a lot of the the actions that you're going to be running are things where you have to beat guys to spots off of your own merit um, if you guys remember, and this is a not comparing any of these guys on Toronto to Christian Wood, but the Christian Wood time in Houston, I made a video and it's going to be in the link. You already know I'll be linking up everything um, about how Christian Wood was a terrible screener. And a lot of it was just due to his size. He was, you know, he was a skinny dude. Right. And screening is an art form. There's an art to screening. It's a skill. And, and I think that um, putting a small guard on a team that does not have a, a good screener for him is a recipe for disaster. And, uh, um, you know, I had said this. We did a live stream yesterday talking about this. And I think that for Fred, he was playing, uh, you know, I mean, he was playing over his head. Uh, they had him playing out of position. Um, as far as his role, maybe not out of position, but out of his role as a point guard. And it really reflected in some of his um, his efficiency really took a dip down. Um, but if you look at the Raptors after uh, Jakob Pertl got on the team, 
uh, it's a, it's night and day. I mean, he really, really changed everything for the players, for the entire team, and for Fred himself, it really made his life easier. So Jakob was traded to the Raptors, uh, I think like around early February, February 10th or something like that. And, you know, immediately their team really took an up uptick in the way that they played. All their efficiency numbers went up. When I started digging through the data to see how him and Fred kind of um, impacted the team's overall play, it popped off the page for me. Uh, when Jakob and Fred were on the court together in those 1,000 plus possessions, the Raptors were a plus 11.6, which would have them in a 96th percentile offensively and like 88th or 90th percentile defensively, uh, scoring 122 points per possession on offense and 110, holding teams to 110 um, points per possession on defense, which is pretty elite. That's, that's, um, that's pretty elite. And when Fred was on the court by himself without Jakob, it was a plus 1.4 uh, uh, differential in their points per possession, which put them at pretty much below average um, with that team. So you can you can clearly see that there was uh, something going on there with Yaka being there. And that thing is what um, I know Zach Lowe always um, points this stuff out. It's called uh, screen assist. Yes, screen assist. I'm going to be talking about screen assist in this in this in this uh, podcast today. And screen assist, once again, you know, I'm a guy that I love the little intangible things. I love the the weird data that you can come through in the NBA and look at. But screen assist to me is a good indicator, especially given uh, offensive play styles that a lot of teams have that tells me if their offense is running efficiently. You know, if you have a good big man and you have a good guard and you're trying to run an offense that's predicated on pick and rolls or or getting um, off screens and doing dribble handoffs, then I should see a lot of screen assists because that means that that big man is setting those hard screens to be able to get that 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 ball handler open to be able to drain those shots. So basically, that's what a screen assist is, is when a guy sets a screen for a teammate that leads to a bucket. And on the Raptors, um, number one in screen assist, you would guess it was Jakob Pertl, right? If you look at his um, his, his number of screen assists at 2.8, he, he, uh, he had one over um, uh, any other Raptor there. And the, most of the players that Fred Van Fleet was playing with were not helping him set screens. They were usually using their screens to be able to switch out on mismatches or slip into um, post-ups and things like that. Um, so this forced him to do a lot of things that were out of character for him and his play. And, you know, it just kind of playing over your head uh, the high minutes, all that, he was just not efficient. And I'm not even trying to make an excuse for him, but you can clearly see that Fred is a, is a player that impacts the game in a positive way. Um, and if you look at it for the Raptors, when he was on the court, Fred was a plus 3.6. Um, and he had the highest uh, differential of plus his uh, plus minus and impact for any other Raptor on the team. So if you look at it, basically when it relates to them winning games, he was the MVP. Like that was the guy that when he was on the court, they were going to win. If the, he was off the court, they were losing. Um, he had the, you know, his net differential for being off, on and off the court is larger than Scotty Barnes and Pascal Siakam's and OG Ananobis. Um, so despite what people always focus on with efficiency of oh, his shooting X, Y, and Z, yes, the shooting wasn't good, but basketball is more than just your field goal percentages. Like what are you impacting on the court for your team to be able to, to win, whether it's facilitating as a point guard, uh, whether it's you playing defense, whether it's you leading guys, getting your guys set into play, pushing the pace when it needs to, slowing it down when it needs to. Um, that Those are the things that Fred was doing and those are the things that allowed him to be a winning player despite his shooting woes. Now, what does this mean for Alperen Shangun and him? Obviously, you know, the you know, I've spoke about, you know, the offense that the Celtics ran under Coach Udoka. We saw what they did in summer league. Um, the team 
usually is gonna you know have two-man game and it could be two-man initiated guard on guard guard on wing guard on big but i think definitely with a guy like fred who is a a shooter fred is a shooter don't get the the, the percentages messed up now he may not be um an, he didn't have an efficient season last year but trust me the defense is closing out on fred van fleet he is still an elite spot up shooter. He is still, even though he had shooting all around was down last year, he still ranked um, above average as a uh, on on synergy as a you know as a, as a spot up shooter. You know what I mean? So so let's not get that messed up. And then him coming off of screens, even though that's not his forte from the three point line, but when you're talking about the mid range game, he can pick you apart doing that. And we have on the Rockets one of the best young screeners in the NBA. Now here's a fascinating stat that I found. Uh, if you look at the um, number of players that lead the NBA's in screen assists, so I filter them out uh, based on players that are actually starting at center and played more than 60 games. Um, the you know Alp is number 14 in the league in that in in, in screen assists. And and you know what's gonna knock him for not being higher than that because I feel like he he should be higher than that um, because we we have bad offensive players uh, coming this past season. So, you know, number one in the NBA was Demonis Sabonis, and it's no uh, shock that the Kings had the number one offense in the NBA. So he was a big factor in that. So uh, to me, I, I've seen, you know, I watched damn near every minute of the Rockets games. Um, if they had potential screen assist, Alpi would, would be top five, right, in the NBA. But regardless of that, um, he's number, uh, number 14. You got Nikola Jokic um sitting there at number seven and you got demonis sabonis sitting there as at number one now the reason i point out those three players not because they play similar to each other but you also got to look when i looked at the players that were top in screen assist and then pair that up with players that were also top in in passing and assist uh percentages so there's only three players on the top 15 list of screen assists that are top 10 in in, uh, pa in assist percentages meaning that these are guys that not only are they setting screens for their team but if the ball is given to them they are also going to be diming up their players and those three players once again here are these words nikola Jokic, demonis sabonis alperin shangun what do these guys have in common well minus shangun guards they have guards right they have guards that they run two-man game with so Alp is is a center that is playing um, and, and leading the league as a top five, a number four in assist percentages, without really having a consistent guard to play two man with. And, and Fred has been a guy that just came off a season where he only had about 25 games playing with Jakob Pertl, where um, he actually had a guy to play two man with. To me, it's a no brainer. You pair them together. I'm talking about the dy dynamic nature of their two games with Fred being able to read every part of the pick and roll um, without Prin being able to hit every pass that, you know, in the tree. Um, it's going to be crazy. Dribble handoffs when they run pick and rolls and uh, uh, teams want to come off and play aggressive on Fred Van Fleet. Maybe uh, they, you know, he's having a hot game. A team start trapping him. Where do you go? You hit the little pocket pass to your big man, get Al P rolling downhill, and now it's pick your poison because he's going to dime you up. We've seen Nikola Jokic do this to teams, devastate them. We've seen Sabonis do this to teams. Um, and then with one thing with Ime Udoka and the, the, the way he ran his offense on the Celtics, 
and this is something that I've been crying for for um, for the our Rockets to do in the past few years is to run off ball actions, right? Uh, to run a weak side pin down or, or flare screens for uh, players that aren't in the immediate action going on on the court at the same time um, uh, while the play is going on. Be doing something to engage. Not only it engages the defenders that are watching what's going on on ball, but also it puts them at a disadvantage. Then when you have that gifted center in Alpen Shangun that can see the court, it opens up a whole world of things for you to do. We saw a little bit of it with Al Horford on the Celtics. He's an underrated passer in his own right, um, but Alpi's a better passer than him. That's why Alperin is uh, top number four in the league behind Jokic, Sabonis, and Embiid in assist percentages. Um, and then once again, the screen assist part of it, it's largely uh, related to how your teammates are gonna score, but he's also top in the league in that. And there's only, you know, as far as age-wise, he's one of the youngest centers on that list. Um, him and Jalen Duran are both um, top 15 in screen assists. And funny enough, right above him in screen assists is Jakob Pertl at number 13. So, you know, all of that to say that two-man game is gonna be something serious. Um, I can see Fred having a, he's going to have a comeback year. I promise you, dude is going to have a comeback year because one, he's going to have a big man the whole year, you know, God willing that Alp stays, uh, stays healthy. He's going to get those screens. You have shooters, um, theoretically, you know, Jabari and, and, uh, well, not, not so much Dylan Brooks, but, um, I think just the fact that him and Alp and Jalen, um, that three man, three man dynamic is still there. Jabari is going to be spacing the floor for them. Um, Brooks, he's going to have to cut, you know, get behind the defense, play that Tari Eason, KJ Martin role that got them a lot of dimes with Alperin. And then um, the DHO game between Alp, Jalen and Fred is going to be is going to be sickening. It's going to be sickening. I'm sure Emil Udoka is just going crazy trying to come up with schemes for that. And one of the benefits of having a, a gifted center that's just not a lob threat or even like, a, you know, the trade offs for not being a super elite defender is the things that you could do offensively on the on the um, on the other on that side of the court. And and what I guess the Rockets have to ask the question. And to me, it's an easy question to answer. Now, I'm going to say yes, but the question is going to be, can can what this um, this center does for me, for what Alperin does for me, um, how can I mitigate enough on defense? in order for the high, high, high upside offense that he brings and the dynamics he brings to my team as a whole um, in rebounding, which he's an elite rebounder, um, which is a part of defense and a guy that, that it's going to be facilitating for my team, um, getting my offense uh, in gear, allow me to put the ball in the hole, allow me to score and not be um, getting teams, getting rebounds or running back on us on fast breaks. You have to think about all of those things in, 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 in construct when you're thinking about his impact on the team. Is that enough for me to say that I, you know, I may not require him to be all world. Now we've seen Jokic and Sabonis be the um, upper echelon levels of that. I personally think that in like two years, Alpi is going to pass up Sabonis. Um, and I think the Jokic, I think Jokic is a, is a unicorn of a player. So uh, if he ever even touches Jokic's level at that level, then yeah, the Rockets have an MVP level candidate, but I don't think he's, he's that good. Um, but I think that Somewhere between Sabonis and Jokic, can that type of player in a year or two um, offset some of the limitations you may have? And I think the answer is yes. Um, uh, you know, and I think he's going to get better defensively. I think Fred helps. I think Dylan helps. I think Jabari and Jalen getting better helps. But that two-man dynamic is going to be something nasty. Low-key, when Ke Kevin Porter was having his best runs um, between that December leading up to where he got injured, 
it was uh, him and LP were starting to bond and get a little thing going there. And all the, you know, all of Jalen's best games from his rookie year are paired up with Alperin and his screens. Uh, you know, this is an ongoing theme. Alperin is a gifted screener. Fred needs a screener. He's an undersized guard. My prediction is that Fred is going to have one of the best years of his career because all of his skills are going to peak at this point. And the team that he's going to have is going to be something that actually complements him, unlike he was dealing with with the last few years in Toronto. But I'm curious to what y'all think. Who's the best two-man combination? Do y'all think it's Jalen and Alperin? Are they still going to keep growing together and showing that little flash of, of, of uh, that we saw that Kobe and Powell? Um, I think this season to start with, as, as everybody learns, is going to be, um, for me, it's going to be Fred and Alperin. Um, who do y'all think? Is it going to be uh, Jabari and Dylan as a defensive duo? Uh, who is your two-man uh, chemistry, uh, a bonding unit that you think is going to be like, man, those two need to be together. Obviously, I want to see Tari and Jabari as well. I think there's something special there. Hopefully, we get a lot of that. But y'all let me know in the comments. Y'all let me know in the chat. Appreciate y'all for letting me, you know, get rap a little bit uh, in these uh, sleepy summer days. And you guys already know you got to keep rocking with the chop shop because we're going to keep bringing that heat and dropping that fire.